0: Hello and welcome to the good, the bad, the ugly, the aviation maintenance industry. I am your host, Brian Wheels, and in this podcast, we're talking about tribal knowledge in aviation maintenance. Does it belong? Does it have its place? But we're going to discuss that in this very short podcast coming up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the good, the bad, the ugly the aviation maintenance industry. I am your host, Brian Wheels, and we're talking about tribal knowledge today. Is it important? Does it have a place in aviation maintenance? And this stemmed originally from an email that I received from a very young mechanic. And he was new in the industry about a year, year and a half in, I think he said. And he emailed me and he asked me, he said, hey, all these guys are telling me different things that I should do, best practices, this and that. Should I be listening to them? And I asked him, I replied, I said, why? What's, what's going on? He said, Well, in AMP school, they said specifically, don't listen to tribal knowledge. So I spoke to him a little bit, bit on it and I said, You know what? This would make a great podcast. So I started putting together this podcast and pulling different groups on my social media. And one group in particular on Facebook, I got a really mixed response. Some were disgusted that I would even bring up the topic of tribal knowledge. Some provided great input. And some were fearful that if I were to discuss tribal knowledge, that the feds are going to hunt down all the mechanics and drag them out on the street and beat the shit out of them, which is not the case. And that's utter bullshit. So is tribal knowledge or what I call wisdom, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Does it belong? I'm reminded of a quote and it goes, sometimes the words we leave unspoken are the most important ones that should have been said. Let me say that again. Sometimes the words we leave unspoken are the most important ones that should have been said. Knowledge is a fact of life in the world of an aircraft mechanic. You either have it or you don't. And we are required by law to be well-versed in the essentials of our profession. In fact, we're tested to prove our qualifications by passing the OMP, A&P school, all that stuff to get our license. But that's only the start of it. Tribal knowledge, I think, can be helpful. And that's my opinion. For example, years ago, years and years ago, at the very beginning of my career, one of the first jobs I had when I was working the line, I was paired with this guy who is a 30 plus year veteran and we get a gate call for a bird strike. We arrive at the gate, this fellow gets out and he grabs the ladder. Then he grabs a bottle of water and I'm watching him. I said, why does he need a bottle of water? Climbs the ladder, starts pouring the water over the FOS windscreen. And I asked him, I said, what are you doing? And he tells me, he says the, because of the acrylic material used in the windows, it doesn't dissipate all the accumulated Electrical charge. And since the aircraft had just landed, you could get possibly a shock, and that the water dissipates any leftover electrical charge. And that was the first time I've heard about that, and I definitely did not learn that at p school. And I've never heard or seen that technique demonstrated since then. And it's certainly not mentioned in the tech pubs. But does that mean it was wrong information, and should I not have listened to it? It did make perfect sense. The aircraft builds up a static charge to some degree while flying, but it's supposed to be dissipated through the static wicks. Now, could there still be a static charge built up on that windscreen after landing? Sure, there could. But to this day, do I grab a bottle of water and pour it over the windscreen of every aircraft? No, I don't. Not because that fellow was wrong. It's just because I haven't experienced being shocked yet. Now, wouldn't it be ironic that I do get shocked? Next time you guys listen to me saying, oh, yeah, guys, I, I didn't use that bottle of water trick that I told you guys about that I heard that I was told and I got shocked. And I fell off the crappy ladder. Because I'm more worried about falling off the crappy ladder that these companies give me than, <laughs> than they won't replace, than falling off the plane. But that would be karma. That would be so much karma, I get shocked. But back on point, doesn't mean that that tribal knowledge, that information shared with me was wrong. How many times have you seen the dirty dozen posters in your shop, around the hangar, in your break room? Do you really pay attention to those? Or do you only pay attention to it when the safety guy or the the supervisor comes in to talk to everyone after an accident or an incident that might have occurred? You know, the FAA has been preaching the dirty dozen for years. And yet, many issues encountered with maintenance errors, they could have been easily mitigated by more attention to human factors. And I know it's easier said than done. But it is true. Using common sense and your best judgment can come into play, and that can parallel tribal knowledge. The Dirty Dozen, of course, includes things like communication issues, complacency, lack of knowledge, distractions, lack of teamwork, lack of resources, pressure, stress, assertiveness, you know, lack of awareness, and the norms. The norms is the part of the Dirty Dozen that can be very well mistaken for tribal knowledge. For example, let's say you're performing a hard land inspection on a plane. The aircraft manufacturer has a procedure for accomplishing that inspection. It should be followed verbatim, right? but I'm not saying that those procedures and those instructions are always correct. Sometimes they're wrong. It means the inspection is considered mandatory and done in accordance with the prescribed approved procedures. So when we sign off maintenance in accordance with or complied with, that means specifically following a documented procedure when performing a maintenance task. Whereas using the phrase in reference to implies using acceptable methods and not necessarily specific procedures used to accomplish a task. In the end, the aircraft still needs to be returned to a safe, airworthy condition, right? See, I think wisdom derived from tribal knowledge should be considered good information or good guidance. Obviously, it's not a sign off reference, right? A good example of tribal knowledge can be something as simple as the best tool to use for a job based upon the experiences of elder mechanics or elder- other mechanics or best troubleshooting practices on an issue. Another good example of wisdom or tribal knowledge is RTS maintenance, where generally older aircraft that are analog, they're brought out of either, you know, storage a preserved or unpreserved state. They're returned to an airworthy condition, a ferry permit issued so that they can be flown to another location for heavy maintenance. Not everyone has experience working on analog aircraft, especially the newer generation of mechanics. Having a wise and an experienced mechanic who's worked on that aircraft and can share their tribal knowledge, their experience, their their wisdom with the rest of the group, that's a great resource for information. But again, that good information does not translate to disregard the technical publications and do it the way I've always done it, which is the norm of Dirty Dozen. See, there's a difference between tribal knowledge and the norm. I've spoken to folks who consider aviation maintenance more of a trade where mechanics are trained and not educated. However, training implies having received instruction on how to perform a task followed by repetition until you're proficient at it, while educated means providing knowledge for the purpose of promoting thought, see? So yeah, we need to be trained on complex tasks and procedures, but also need the education part to think things through and formulate ideas, i.e. out-of-the-box thinkers, which managers really hate. Both training and education, are important, and with that comes wisdom, thus your tribal knowledge. The definition of knowledge includes facts and information as well as the skills acquired through education and experience, and can be both a theoretical and a practical understanding of a subject. Now here's the thing though: many younger supervisors and managers with little no hands-on experience on the aircraft, they're easily intimidated by people that possess wisdom and knowledge. And sometimes they try to force these people out. It's a shame because that wisdom, that experience, that tribal knowledge, it can no longer be passed on then or shared with others. Thus, there's many folks in aviation that possess knowledge, but they lack wisdom. So yes, tribal knowledge has its place if there is a clear and concise understanding that tribal knowledge is not a means of signing off work on an aircraft, but instead a tool, if you would, through sharing knowledge, wisdom, and experience that may be beneficial in accomplishing the work in conjunction with the approved technical publications. So that's my little short on tribal knowledge and my two cents on it. So let me know, do you agree? Do you disagree? Was I wrong? Was I right? What do you think about tribal knowledge? Does it have its place? Does it belong in aviation maintenance? If you have questions, thoughts, concerns, or if you want to share your stories or your experiences live on the podcast, reach out to me at AP Mechanic Podcast at AOL.com or find me on Twitter Good, Bad, Ugly, underscore, AMP. You can also find me on Facebook, Good, Bad, Ugly, A-P, one word. And remember, new podcast second Wednesday of each month. But until next time, everyone, take care and be safe. Thanks for listening.